made the Knights of Rainsboro protect the city from crooks and criminals. But at night, a hidden evil emerges from the shadows, and a new breed of hero must defend the city. Welcome to the Ghosts of Rainsboro. Hi, this is Paul, and I play the character Johnny Boondocks. This is Wayne, and I'll be playing the Guardian. This is Tim, I'm playing the Hitchhiker. And this is Mikey, and I am playing the Huntsman. The Huntsman. Well, welcome back, guys. If you'll recall, the last time we got together in Sandboxed, I had said that the next time we were going to game... And, uh, you know, sandboxing is kind of a game. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was, I was sitting down and, you know, putting pen to paper and, and, you know, building the game. And I ran into a couple of things. I was like, damn it. We really should have talked about that in sandboxing and to, uh, you know, stick the landing in terms of, of designing a, a game that I think we'll all be happy with. I really felt like I needed to come back and chat with you guys about it. So, uh, that said, what's your favorite color? Do I go off a bridge if I answer this wrong? <laughs> Absolutely. Do I have to go first? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh God. Uh, that's a tricky question. It I is mean, a like, tricky question. Like, uh, I mean, do you really want to know my favorite color? I don't really. I, okay. I, well, then, uh, then puce. That's a nice color. No, it's a nasty, horrible. No, it's that's my favorite color, and you're saying that it's nasty and horrible. My uh, well, you know, you are a GM. <laughs> so, you know, we had talked a lot about the kind of game that we want. And, you know, I heard you guys talk a lot about personal horror, uh, that you wanted the stakes raised, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, you really wanted to, to tap that horrific uh, aspect of the genre. And when I was working on that, a couple of things came to mind. One, you guys are at a power level where it's kind of hard to give you a sense of personal danger. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, how does that work with, you know, characters like Superman or the Hulk or even Spider-Man? You know, how, do, how does it work with those guys? How do you, how do you, you know, scare those guys? And they, they show that they've got something at risk. You know, it could be a loved one or a treasured object or something like that. And so that's what I want to talk about uh, first off is, is what's important to your character? What's that thing that, that is, you know, a valued treasure, a, a, a dear loved one, that kind of thing. So, uh, tonight we're going to start with Wayne. Wayne? Tell me what's special to the Guardian. The vault of magical items that he's dedicated his life to protecting. It is his, uh, well, it's basically what his family has dedicated themselves to protect. Uh, that is more important to him than anything else, is keeping that safe. Is there a certain treasure that uh, is particularly prized, or is it just the entire collection itself? Just the entire collection itself. Just everything. Yeah. In the uh, in all the previous generations, no one in his family has ever had something stolen until him. He's the first one to actually have failed and had something stolen, and that was during the Ricochet Crit 
uh, I guess it wasn't a Christmas special, the Ricochet uh, annual right. was the first time anything has been stolen from that vault. So that's, uh, he's even more dedicated now to having nothing, basically reproving himself. <laughs> Other than his pride and family honor, did that cost him anything else? I mean, is there, is there, you know, it's it's one thing to be shamed personally, but is there, is there somebody looking on that is aware of his failing? Uh, basically, when the when the portal was being opened and he was trying to keep it closed during that zero issue, that acted like a beacon. So now not. Now it's uh, nobody was looking over it as, as like a personal shame, but now all of the supernatural beings of any power level know that this vault is in Rainsboro. Before they knew it was somewhere in the world, now they know where it's at. So it's kind of like he's got a target on him now. Exactly, and he's still in Rainsboro, but you know now now basically uh, they're all coming out of the woodwork to try to get at this. So is there, you know, anybody uh, close to him personally that, that knows about this and, you know, is aware of his secret shame? Um, I'm going to say he has a sister. Okay. Talk, tell me about his sister. His sister is um, – she is magical, but she doesn't have the, the same power level. Uh-huh. And she was uh, basically jealous of him as they grew up because – because of the power that he had, his family looked more, you know, looked up to him a little bit more. So she felt uh, kind of left out. She's the younger sister? Yes. And are they close? They are, but there's a sense of resentment there. She resents him for having taken up that role. Mm-hmm. He looks at her as, that's my little sister that I have to protect at all costs, and she looks at him like, yeah, that's my annoying older brother that got all the power and all the love that I should have had. He's completely oblivious to the fact that she's a supervillain. So when you say she's less powerful, but it, you know, she, but she is a spellcaster, the same as uh, as the Guardian? Yes. Does the Guardian have a friend? No, no real friends. He's kind of secluded himself, other than the people within the supernatural community. I mean, he he would look at the other characters that we've we've defined the ones he's worked with. Those are his friends. Does he have you know like Doctor Strange has Wong? Does Doctor Wange have Wrong? <laughs> no, I didn't envision anything like that. Anyone that's a a servant or anything. Okay. Can we call him Schlong? <laughs> <laughs> he works downtown. <laughs> So he, he's on his own. He doesn't have a trusty manservant? No. <laughs> it sounds so dirty when you say it like that. <laughs> the, only person he, the only person he really confides to is his sister, who he doesn't realize is a supervillain. And Does his sister live with him? Uh, you know, I hadn't thought that she would, but it might be kind of interesting if she did. Because okay. I kind of see it as he tells her of all the things he's gone through and is actually divulging the secrets of the heroes without knowing it. Last question for you, Wayne. Does he have a familiar? Um, you know, I hadn't thought about that either, but yeah, let's go with a... Hmm. A beagle? I'm tempted to do that, but no. <laughs> hmm. A monkey? 
I'm trying to remember the name of the animals. There's uh, not a monkey, but they're it's, a lemur. He's got a lemur. No, they're I've heard I've seen them called sugar gliders. Oh, I think uh, of the other name for it, but like sugar bear bat. sugar gliders. He has a prostitute. <laughs> but they're very intelligent, tiny little animals that can glide. That's a bat. A sugar glider. I'm yep. looking it up. Like Greg Capullo has. Greg Capullo has a sugar glider? He has two. He posts Which pictures of like them all the time. It's kind of like a squirrel. It's a squirrel with arm flats. Arm flaps. No, it's a flying squirrel. Yeah. Well, it's so a marsupial. It is a marsupial. It's got uh, like good gripping hands for for picking things up. They can climb along walls. They glide. <laughs> In other words, Aaron, he's an animal that you, because you don't know enough about it, it probably won't come up in-game. It's, it's, it's got a bald spot on its forehead that is a scent gland. Mm. And and his eyes are far enough apart, he looks vaguely like he has fetal alcohol syndrome. <laughs> I'll be honest, the reason I'm picking that is because uh, right around Christmas, a group came into the mall that had them and was trying to sell them, and I thought they were really cool watching the things glide around and move. So that's why I went with that. All right, then. He has an albino German hamster, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) That likes Basically, they like to uh, stick around in pockets, too. So within, he's got a, uh, he wears a trench coat, and it sticks in one of the pockets of the trench coat. Is that a sugar glider in your pocket, or are you happy to see me? <laughs> Why can't it be both? <laughs> so I, I'm going to give you your hardest assignment that you'll ever get, Wayne. You have to name your sister and your sugar glider. <gasps> um, do you want just the name, or do you want a villain name for her, too? Uh, yeah, that would work well. So now, now you've got three assignments. Okay. Her name is Jenny. The evil Jenny. That's her villain name, right? (laughs) (laughs) The sugar glider is Divine Brown. (laughs) That's the transvestite prostitute that was caught with Hugh Grant. No? All right, Uh, fine. (laughs) Now, the sugar glider will be uh, Barnaby. I like Mikey's name better. It's bullshit. <laughs> okay. And then the sister's uh villain name Divine Brown. <laughs> no. Div- Alright, sorry. Divine Divine Tigress. I was gonna go with Wild Tigress, but then he said Divine, so Divine oh. Tigress. Alright. Uh anything else for me, Wayne, before we uh move on to the next guy? Nope, I'm just making notes of what I just came up with. <laughs> Okay, Tim, the Hitchhiker's kind of a a unique character in that, uh, you know, he uh, occupies a different body, you know, each, you know, time he comes into the world. So he doesn't bring a whole lot with him. So what's important to him? Um, He is afraid of the ultimate reward. Because he doesn't know if there's a heaven, so he thinks that might be bullshit. He's afraid of the ultimate punishment. <laughs> because even if there's, even if, even if he believes there's heaven, there's definitely hell. Right. 
<laughs> so he's a little scared of that. He's a scared. He's scared of losing the status quo. The status quo is he's not really dead still. The status quo is he still gets to live on. He is afraid of losing the status quo. Um, so it's important to him to not be too good, but not be too much of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a sliding scale that he needs to stay on. Um, he, he maintains some small measure of progress because kind of the angel spirit that kind of kind of walks with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least when he's on the highway before he's, he jumps into somebody kind of, kind of forces him to keep the batting average up a little bit, but shit happens. So yeah, I guess that's what I would say. Now, as I recall, he was, uh, at his prime in the, in the sixties Yep, when he passed. So he's kind of a hippie guy. Oh uh, yeah. Did he have any family? He doesn't know. He doesn't know who he is. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's afraid to find out who he is, too. Like, I, I imagine a conversation where Johnny's like, well, I can just look up in the database. He's like, nope, don't want to know. So he's afraid if he ever found out, that might be the shock to actually kill him. Right. Kind of like if you put the cat in the box and drop it in the water, you don't know if the cat's dead because you don't see the dead cat sure. kind of thing. Right. So he thinks if he found out who he was, that might... Sure. Break the status quo. So, but he, he, while he doesn't know who he was originally, right? Other than mm-hmm. the fact, he, you know, he's, he's got his uh, affinity for, you know, all things hipster, hippie. Yeah, he's got his, gu- he's got his guitar. He's, you know, he's got his bell bottoms. He's, he knows roughly what he was. He just doesn't know who he was. Has he ever developed a fondness or does he have a fondness for someone that he has either interacted with or someone that he's possessed in the past? Anybody that he follows? Anybody that he's, you know, keeps tabs on? Not in my head. Okay. I'm not looking like, to force I, something on you, just asking the question. No, in my head, I've seen him. Uh, in, in my head, I, I picture that. He's done some pretty shady bullshit things, <laughs> and he's done some good things. Mm-hmm. So he tries not to get tied down too much uh, with a lot of people. Like he's definitely friends. Like like I mentioned, Johnny. He's definitely friends with Johnny because I the 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 story is Johnny's the one that got him the damn cell phone, so he didn't have to depend on the angel all the time. Right. Which he's pissed about, but whatever. How did all this stuff happen that I don't know about? Tim's making it up off the top of his head. Okay. Well, I, I, I knew I knew I had a phone, and I, I knew I wanted to interact with at least another character, and I thought it'd be cool to interact with the guy that was on the police force. He said it with such conviction, I believed. I mean, <laughs> Wayne's talking about zero issue shit happening, and then all of a sudden there's, well, you know, Johnny gave him the cell phone, and I'm like, what did I miss? Well, zero issue happened. But that was a, a Knights of Rainsboro zero issue in which Wayne's character appeared. Ah, okay. So, I'm sorry. You know, we really need to set up a wiki. <laughs> <laughs> so I cannot read it and say, That's I right. really need to be brought up yeah. to speed. <laughs> Anything else, Tim? Um, I, I, I guess the closest thing he has to a friend is uh, Angelica, which is the angel sidekick. She's, you know, she'll occasionally show up as he's walking down the like ghost highway uh-huh so um he like he likes her 
he doesn't necessarily trust everything she's saying, but she's been there for as long as he can remember since he's been dead. Okay. How does she appear to him? Uh, she appears, she looks like another hippie. Um, he's walking around, he's walking along and then all of a sudden there's a, there's another flower child next to him. It's kind of glowy. And, uh, you know, she'll talk the kind of same kind of language, the same kind of jargon. So if you want to threaten her, that might, that might work. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, Big Paul. Yes, sir. Tell me about uh, Johnny Boondocks and his, uh, you know, things that he might have at risk. Um, well, he has a wife and a newborn son. Now, they don't live in Rainsboro, per se, but, um, you know, they live in, in nearby Stonewater Falls. But that's not to say that maybe she couldn't be visiting her parents in Rainsboro. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Um, now he, you know, he does talk to his wife, but we, we talked a little bit about um, in the sandboxing about how you know it just it, it it's his situation is just something she couldn't live with, right? And so you know he doesn't live with her, but I, I do think you know that they still do stay in regular communication, and you know maybe she sends him pictures of his son or something. I don't know. And does and he still has affection for his wife? Yes, I mean, this is not his choice. But he hasn't gone off and met some mannequin that he's making sweet love to. No, he's not making sweet love to a to a haystack or anything. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) So how? I'm sorry, Paul. How long has it been since uh, he became the Boondocks? Let's go ahead and give it a year. I don't. I don't think we actually determined that. Okay. But I'd imagine his son is still. Less than a year old. Okay. And I, I imagined his, well, yeah, duh. His wife well, was pregnant before it happened. Well, but it, did she give birth, uh, after? after? Okay, so he wasn't able to be there for the delivery? He has not met his son, correct. Oh, he has not met his son? No. And he will say he's, you know, around nine months old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Okay. And. It's all Give me an age. tragic. It's it is. I, you know, I feel sad just talking about it, Paul. <laughs> I'm squirting tears for you right now. Oh, poor Johnny. Those, those are tears. They're, they well, yes. Uh, Paul. Yes, sir. Give me a name for Mrs. Boondocks. Um, let's go with Divine Brown. <laughs> <laughs> let's go with um. Sherry. Sherry? Yeah. And uh, what's her supervillain name? <laughs> She's not a supervillain. <laughs> and what's the name of your son? Little, little Johnny? Johnny Jr.? John John? <laughs> Let's go with Donovan. So, uh, you know, he he's had a significant change in his life because, you know, he's not human anymore. Um, does he have a close friend or confidant? Other than the hitchhiker? Well, you know, I mean, he does work in the Rainsboro PD. And even though he's a bit of an outsider, um, perhaps he's not the only person who works in the Supernatural Division. Perhaps there's a scully to his Mulder. I don't know. 
Right. Well, I guess you're asking for definitives. Um, so, you know, perhaps they're... <laughs> um, Think back to that issue that didn't happen and draw something from there. <laughs> yeah. um, let's go ahead and say that, yes, there there is a, you know, a, a female in... Um, in, okay, so the, in his division, who, who he does keep in contact with. I mean, is it his partner? Yeah, I'd say she regularly, you know, assists, you know, comes with him on, on assignments. And, uh, describe her to me. Let's go ahead and go with, she is a redhead. Let's see, Johnny Boondocks, I'd imagine, is late 20s. So she's probably a couple years older than him, early 30s. She is, uh, she's feminine, but I mean, she's, you know, she's a, she's a female cop. So, I mean, you know, she has a feminine side, but, you know, she can turn on, you know, the seriousness when she needs to. I'm going to go ahead and say her name is Heather. Detective Heather. Detective Heather Brooks. Detective Brooks. Is she married? I'm going to say she is not married, but she is seeing somebody. She's, uh, she's seeing a doctor. (laughs) <laughs> but it's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Boyfriend. That's his and name. His, and his name is the Necropath. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, actually. It's not a horrible idea. <laughs> we established that the Necropath was, like, lonely and spoke to his dog. Yes. Dang. Yeah, he had a girlfriend right before he got his powers, though. It's Dr. Loner. <laughs> well, you know, he, he sees his girlfriend as hair trigger, so, you know. Who doesn't? Well, fair point. Fair point. Okay, anything else, Paul? Um, no, I think that's good. That That is a lot more backstory than I originally had. Well, and, and it was the backstory that I was really struggling with as I was, uh, you know, trying to trying to build a scenario for you guys. I, I've really kind of got the bones of it outlined, but you know, when I started looking at what I was going to ping, I needed a little bit more. So let's talk to Mikey, who's got a. Hey. So uh, the Huntsman. Yeah. Talk to me now. I I remember about the Huntsman. That uh, he's a, a little hard at home. Yes. So talk. He's, uh, he's uh, got his ex-wife and his son, uh, Tommy. Now he lives alone because she's separated. I, I, uh, when I was actually statting the character out, I decided to go a step further than just like PTSD. Um, he had a hard time dealing with it, but he got you know managed to cope. What really uh, shattered the relationship was uh, he was uh, horribly burned. Right. So he's got uh, these ugly scars all over his face and body. And how long has he been separated from his wife? Uh, six years since he's had the powers. As a matter of fact, that's why he went on the uh, that's right. the trip to get away. So are we just going to call this the Ex-Husband's Club? I think that's what we should change the name to. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody happy in this group. <laughs> That's right. So does he t- – talk to me about his relationship with his son. It's a little weird. It's strained. I mean the kid grew up with his dad having uh, the burns, so that really doesn't bother him. But you know, mom dates other guys, and so there's the whole daddy jealousy issue thing there. Mm-hmm. 
How old's your son? Uh, he's six. He was conceived uh, just before he went on his last tour, which, you know, a few months into is when he got burned. Gotcha. So, you know, uh, do wife and kid live in Rainsboro? Yes. How often does he get to see his son? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, he gets to, you know, every other weekend and every Wednesday from 7 to 10. Okay. Regular visitation. Yeah. Does the Huntsman maintain some other personal relationships? Uh, you know, I haven't thought about it a whole lot. I'm sure he does. He's got to. He went to, to Ireland with his, you know, his friends, um, as a trip. So he's got, yeah, he's got friends. He probably sees them less now than he used to. He sees them less now than he used to. Is he all about the work now? He is mostly about he's uh, he's obsessed. It gave him a purpose and a mission, and he doesn't you know he's got a mask too. He's got the helmet. He doesn't have to be afraid of the you know deal with people's reaction to his scars. He doesn't like to go out in public in general. Describe to me a typical reaction for him. Him going to the grocery store with his uh, scars visible. How, well, I mean, that, what's that situation nope. like for him? It's it's uncomfortable. There's awkward. I mean, you know, teenagers are mean and and people are uh, politely impolite. You know, they they try very hard not to stare or or uh, or even walk down the same aisle as him so that they're not staring. Um, it's extremely difficult. I mean, these aren't little scars. These are extremely noticeable. Right. So missing part of his face scars and I mean, he's more than self conscious about it, which is. Part of the reason why he gets off so much on being the huntsman, people are scared, but in a different way and for a different reason, and they should be. When they react that way, it's an appropriate reaction. <laughs> Questions from kids, those get him a lot, and they don't normally talk to him. They're asking, you know, he hears them asking mom yeah. or dad, "Mommy, what's wrong with that man?" Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Anything else, sir? Uh, not that I can think. Can I have a sugar glider? You may have a sugar glider. I don't really want one. But you'll have to chase it with a beer. Okay. Awesome. Can I have a beer drinking bear as a sidekick? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. That's my roommate. He's a beer drinking bear named Hank. <clears throat> we, uh, but in his spare time, he dresses up and is Divine Brown. Oh, we used to have yes. We used to have a World of Darkness game, and uh, one of my buddies played a werebear in the game. And his name was uh, oh god, what was it? It was uh, Champagne Con. Was Champagne Con. <laughs> he 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 was the biggest, baddest black bear you've ever met. Oh, Champagne Lord. Con. <laughs> Okay, so we've kind of talked about uh, things that are at risk. The next thing I want to talk about, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, to spend our time in the game putting the band together, and so I want to talk about uh, how you get. I kind of want to start the, the you guys already knowing each other. So I want to talk a little bit about your backstory, and you know, uh, as part of his character, you know, Tim's already talked about how the hitchhiker knows Johnny Boondocks, right? Sure. So what I want to do is I'm, I'm going to I'm going to ping you guys around the table, and you tell me how you know at least one other person in the group. Okay. So uh, starting back at the top, Wayne, tell me how you know somebody in the group. Okay. Well, the easiest one is I've probably done some consulting work with the. With that department that Johnny Boondocks works at, so I've probably worked a case or two with him. 
Um, more than likely, anyone that deals with the paranormal would in the area would kind of know of me because I'm going out and trying to get every artifact I can find and lock them away. Okay. Uh, Paul, is that okay with you? Yeah, that works. Okay. So, uh, Paul. Yes. What was your working experience like with Johnny Boondock, with uh, the Guardian? Um, it's a weird dude. <laughs> and maybe, I don't know, Wayne, you can correct me. You know, I just, I, I, I found him a little, uh, little tweaky, a little nervous. Um, I, he's a uh, bit arrogant. He kind of looks down on others as well. Okay, so look, um, so definitely that rubs me the wrong way. You know, Johnny Boondocks is, I mean, I, I think of him, he's a pretty decent dude. You know, so so some you know some some arrogant guy that you know. I mean, it, it sounds like and Wayne again. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, Wayne describes him as arrogant, but really not deservedly so. I mean, you know, he doesn't know sh- he, he he really doesn't he, he doesn't know shit about shit. He doesn't know how his house works. He doesn't know you know how to he doesn't know how half that stuff works. <laughs> and that's true. And part of the arrogance is actually bluffing. So, you know, I'd say that that probably oh, rubs so me the shit. wrong way. You don't know his sister's a supervillain? He <laughs> <laughs> don't know shit. Yeah, I would say a lot of his arrogance comes partially from... Some of it is actually arrogance. Some of it is bluffing. All bluster. I mean, he's powerful, and he knows his magic, but he doesn't know as much as he wants everyone else to think he does, because if they realize that uh, he's still... You know, had so much to learn, then they wouldn't see him as a big of a threat when trying to take stuff. Okay, so uh, Wayne, what does the Guardian think about Johnny Boondocks? Um, he felt sorry for him when he found out his story, and he's been doing research and trying to find a way to help him. He wants to he wants to find a way to give him back a human body, and so far he's had no luck at all. Because he doesn't know shit about shit. <laughs> <laughs> I keep Googling it, and I can't find out anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's nothing on Wikipedia about yeah, he- turning a scarecrow back to a man. <laughs> yeah, he's been going through all of his books, and he figured out how to turn a man into a scarecrow, but not reverse the process. And that explains Johnny Boondock's secret origin. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I said it was sorry. <laughs> so, Timmy, uh, you know the hitchhiker. T- uh, you know Johnny Boondocks as well. Tell me how you know him. How I know Johnny. Um, oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> what, what, what? I, I actually I accidentally hitchhiked Officer Heather once. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that explains how Johnny got those phone or those photos on his phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> so I imagine that uh, he's the one that fa- that was like, "What the hell are you doing out here rescuing kittens or whatever the hell I was doing?" Right. <laughs> and. Uh, um. When I saw a talking scarecrow, I probably freaked out and tried to give him my fear blast or something, and it turned into a thing, and then, you know, crap happened, and, you know, we became buddies. So what does he think of Johnny? Uh, he thinks he's a, he thinks he's a decent guy. He, uh, he thinks that, that even though he's dead, that Johnny's fucked up. Like, that is some fucked up shit right there. 
Um, but no, he, he likes him. Uh, you know, like I said, Johnny gave him the, the phone so that if Angelica's pissing him off, he can just fucking figure out his own way to get on back on the highway and he go on the cab for you. <laughs> yeah, basically, or something. There's some kind of connection with the phone that lets him traverse. Otherwise, he needs like kind of permission. Sure. So, Paul. Yes, sir. What does uh, Johnny think of the hitchhiker? You know, I think after their initial rough meeting, maybe they've, uh, you know, maybe they've, uh, uh, maybe he sees him a little bit as a kindred spirit. You know, I mean, he, he is in a, not necessarily the same situation, but a similar situation. You know, he is, um, he's, you know, he, he's in a situation that is just as sucky as being a scarecrow. You know, he, he's not, he's alive, but kind of not. Now, whereas, but he does, you know, but at the same time, you know, he does see that, uh, the hitchhiker doesn't really want to better his situation, whereas Johnny Boondocks kind of does, you know? Okay. Anything else? Tim or Paul? No, I think I'm good. Okay. I'm good. So, Paul. Yes, sir. You know the hitchhiker. Is there somebody else that you know in the group? Other than Wayne? Other than, well, do you know the huntsman? Do you know? What you're trying to say? Do you know me? That's what he's or, no. or, 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 We've actually forgotten all about uh, John's character. Well, that's what I was about to oh, say. Yeah. Or perhaps Hexfire. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah I, okay, so, it, you know what? I'm a cop, and I'm a cop who is in, who deals with the supernatural elements in Rainsboro. And, but keep in mind, I've only been at it for, I mean, even though I've been a scarecrow for, what did I say, about a year, maybe? Right, yeah. So, I mean, I've probably only been in Rainsboro, let's go ahead and say eight months. Mm-hmm. You know, seven, eight months. Um, so, in that time, maybe I've come across uh, the Huntsman. Uh, you know, it, 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 and uh, John's character, Hexfire. I'm trying to remember what John's character, Hexfire, like, did for... One moment. <clears throat> I'm flipping through my notes. Like I, I mean, I, I know. Okay, I've got it right here. Savara of Vulcan. He is a medical officer who practices <laughs> emotional medicine. He has a fascination <laughs> with basketball. Uh, he is alienated from his home, and he questions Sarek's, te- uh, <laughs> Sarek's teachings. He's a paranormal investigator who stumbled onto a fire demon that attached itself to him, and he's always trying to contain the demon, and it gives him fire powers. <laughs> or that. <laughs> or that. I have better notes than you. <laughs> I just looked at the wrong notes. <laughs> yeah, those were accurate notes for a game that'll never happen. It'll happen. <laughs> his demon his demon also talks to him. Yes. It's, but I mean, like, I'm trying like in so he's trying to constantly gain control of this demon. Um, and uh, did he? Does he? You? Does he? I mean, does he do something super heroic? Does he defend Rainsboro from any particular thing? Does he? Didn't he? Did, wasn't his character running from something, or was that a different character? That was a different character. Uh-huh. Um, he knows the demon's name, and using the demon's abilities diminishes the pain of the powers being used, um, which scares him a little bit. Maybe he was called in to consult. He is a paranormal investigator. You're a cop in the paranormal division or whatever. Yeah. Um, we should really have a name for that. Yeah, there's uh, the Rainsboro Paranormal... Department 13 or something? Yeah, something. we got to think of something. That's not, not a bad idea. Um, so, Aaron, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah. I'm going to say at some point, you know, I mean, imagine that Mulder in the X-Files has called in 
you know, the various people who he's met on missions or something, you know. So this would be like that. You know, these are people who I've come across maybe one, maybe only once. Maybe, you know, maybe I keep in regular communication with them, like the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd imagine Hexfire is probably someone who I've maybe only had very few dealings with, um, especially given the demonic nature of the situation. But at the same time, you know, I, I was – it was demonic energy. You know, it was it was a Hellblade, I think I described it as, that right. turned me into the Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it could be that, you know, going back to Mike's point, Mike's point um, maybe I, I called him in for some of his specific knowledge related to, you know, to, to the Blade or to, you know, that type of, of uh, energy. Yeah. And as far as the Huntsman, I'd imagine maybe, you know, we got a call in relation to... um, I'll bet I was an ongoing case before you got in, because I've been around for six years. I was about to say, yeah, something similar. Like, like, (laughs) we were called in to investigate it, or, you know, there was... I have an idea, if you want to let me run with that. Okay, go for it. So, my idea is that I know uh, Johnny Boondocks, and, uh, of course, this is going to require all your your buy-in, but... Um, he ends up going all gung-ho on the Huntsman case because I'm an open case file in whatever your department is. And uh, and you go all gung-ho and end up – because I'm a security guard and you end up in, uh, investigating something that's happening around where I'm at. And um, you've seen me. You know that I've got the scars and everything and I'm the only other person here except for the – the baddies in the you know doing the warehouse job or whatever, and you're about to get uh, bushwhacked by the baddies when all of a sudden the huntsman you know <clears throat> shows up and uh, saves your you know pulls your nards out of the fire, um, and uh, of course the uh, you know the security guards just totally not around anymore, and uh, and you're an, you're you're not you're not an idiot you're a cop you're not an idiot you you put the two and two together. Uh, that that I am the huntsman, and we have a talk about it, um, in which uh, you and I end up becoming friends because I'm I look different and you look different, and uh, you're trying to get me to uh, come out to to come out quote unquote to the department thir- whatever it is to your department so they can realize that I'm a good guy and then maybe I could be a cop um, and so but I I won't do it because I I, I like the free reign. That I have, um, you know, being on my own. Um, but that would mean that uh, Johnny Boondocks and the Huntsman have been friends for a while. What do you think about that, Paul? I agree with that. I mean, you know, we just got to be careful because, I mean, I did say I was only in there for seven months. So, I mean, we could right. say, you know, you know, maybe one of my earlier cases or something like that. You said, well, it. like I said, you went gung ho on this Huntsman thing because it's been six years open or, you know, five and a half at the time, years open, and you're like, I'm going all in on this. Well, who's to say, throwing this out here, you know, I was in Rainsboro before I moved to Stonewater Falls. Uh huh. You know, I moved to Stonewater Falls to get away from it all. It could be that I knew him from before. And maybe maybe you had an encounter with him when you were a beat cop before you became a detective. Correct. And that's why and when I came, you know, and he's you know, one of the reasons I came back is that I you know, I knew people. Yeah. You know, and now that I'm a supernatural being myself, you know, maybe your character helped ease me into that role a little bit, you know, accept my fate a little bit. I don't, sure. want to, I don't want to walk around mopey. You know, I don't want to. 
If I only right. had a brain. I'm yeah. sad, Scarecrow. Well, and, uh, you know, a, the, the cops can know that he's friends. I can't even remember my guy's real name that's not the Huntsman. Um, but uh, maybe, uh, you know, being in a, uh, friends with Johnny Boondocks is, has got me to the point where I'll go out in public more often now because I'm with him. You know, and people aren't just staring at me. <laughs> it makes it a little easier. You know, maybe I've made friends with some of the cops that Johnny hangs out with because he's got to be somewhat of a local celebrity. Well, it's kind of funny. <laughs> the way we're describing it is maybe I'm the Gordon to your Batman. You know, like you were more of an urban legend before. Yeah. And, and of course, then, uh, because you knew the Guardian, uh, once you found out about, you know, I summon the armor, um, you know, maybe that uh, got mentioned that, uh, you know, and when one of your somehow got mentioned to the Guardian. And so in one of the conversations that came up, he, you know, paid me a visit to see if the ar- armor was an artifact that he should catalog. And maybe oh, yeah. I would totally come try to find I would totally <laughs> come try to find that and then when I found out that how it's connected to you and realized it isn't something that I could take and catalog. Right. And it's not something that anybody can use but me and so it's you know but we probably didn't uh see eye to eye at first when you came questioning. Oh, yeah, I'm, up. I'm sure we did the typical meet for the first time, fight for the first time, found oh, yeah. something else to uh fight with instead. Yeah, teamed up, and now we're uh, we're we're not uh, we're allies, not not chums, but at least uh, we we uh, look at each other with respect and distance. <laughs> Excellent. Anything else more to add? Um, no, I, I'm trying to think of how I would know the Hitcher or Hexfire, and. Uh, well, it's not important that you know everybody. I was just trying to link you guys together so that uh, when I start pulling on one thread, the other guys come along. Well, I think uh, – and this is just me thinking um, that the Guardian might uh, might have a connection to Hexfire due to the demon kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. And based on our stories, it's really sounding like the whole linchpin, the one thing that connects everyone more than anything else – is Johnny Boondocks? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, hey, Aaron, I'm just going to throw this out here, sir, so that you can chew on it, maybe a little bit if you want. Okay. Um, if I'm in communication with Hexfire in relation to the Hellblade that turned me into Johnny Boondocks, I'd imagine I still had the blade. I mean, it, the guy ran me through. I turned into a scarecrow. It was still stuck in me. Um, so I, when I originally envisioned it, I kept the blade. Perhaps I have given it to him to research. Given it to the Guardian? Given it to Hexfire. Okay. Given his connections to the demonic world. Sure. Perhaps, you know, he could talk to the demon um, to find out more about the blade. And so he is in possession. I would imagine he's in possession of this Hellblade, uh, maybe even as the game begins. And, you know, that's something we can talk about to John about or whatever. Yeah, that works. Okay. Anything else, guys, about uh, how you know each other, how you interact with one another? I just like that Paul just gave me an excuse to knock out John's character in another game. (laughs) (laughs) I need that sword. Give me that sword. I liked how we just kind of on the fly came up with how everyone was connected. Yeah, I like how that that worked. Um, I like not having to fumble through it. Yeah, well, you know, with, with this being a more abbreviated session, you know, 
on Rainsboro, you could spend a couple of episodes on just putting the gang together, but you know, I didn't really want to waste our time with that when we wanted to get straight to the to the soul crushing terror that will be this game. I'll yeah, be honest, so- even if we were just doing uh, even if we were doing a campaign, I would want to do this before we started. Oh well, absolutely. If we were doing, well, well, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I I wouldn't want to fumble through it. That's not the. I mean, sometimes that's the interesting part. Mm-hmm. Or unless you know, unless there's a reason for us to not know each other. Right. I would rather know each other and be ready to go and not have to do the whole pissing match that is meeting a new character. Yeah. Any campaign that uh, that I've been in, typically we make at least two other. We make each person have connections to at least two other characters. Right. And we define all that ahead of time so we know going in. Why don't we, do you um, want another? You do you want another tie for me? Because I only have one. I could take another one if you want to give it to me. Hit well, me. I don't. I don't really have an idea. I was just asking. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm good with what we've got, Tim. Okay, cool. Um, why don't we go yeah. with Department of Paranormal Investigation, the DPI? Mm, I don't think so. No. Okay. Uh, that sounds a little lame, Paul. Well, I was trying to think of something along the lines of Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. Uh huh. Like uh-huh. the BPRD. Uh huh. Uh, DPI. What, what about the Ghostbusters unit? <laughs> the Spook Finders unit? <laughs> was it, uh, in the Dresden files, they called them was the Black Cat cases. Is that what they called it? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could just have it called the department. And when somebody talks about the department, when they say it that way, people know that that's what they mean about yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not something they necessarily advertise that they have. There was a uh, a TV show I used to watch, Special Unit 2, that that was their concept. They were an agency that basically policed the paranormal, kind of like the Men in Black, only they were – the other police knew them as Special Unit 2. They are the organization that comes in and takes your case from you. I imagine that uh, the paranormal – Department of the Rainsboro Police Department uh, is probably not well thought of. Probably isn't exactly powerful in the political schemes, you know. But uh, is necessary. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of like that my uh, my character for this hates my character from Rainsboro. I I imagine that as well. <laughs> I uh, I get a kick out of that. The fact that. Uh, Ricochet is responsible for his the first failure of his uh, family. Well, you wouldn't have failed if you didn't know shit about shit. That's <laughs> well, and that's that was Ricochet's problem too. He didn't know shit about shit. I'm I'm detecting a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that he doesn't know about. He is very knowledgeable in magic. It's just there's so much to know. Well, what, what I liked about our process tonight is, you know, hearing you guys talk about the the relationship that you have with the other characters really kind of helps define, uh, you know, how the character is seen in the world, or at least by one per- one other person than the person them- than the character themselves. So, I, you know, when when Paul pinged that on the Guardian that he didn't know shit about shit, I'm like, that is perfect, <laughs> perfect. And so, yeah, and the rest of you guys kind of did the same thing. So, I mean, I just I, I found that very helpful. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I found somebody who has it worse than me. <laughs> really? I could have a fucking pumpkin for a head. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, you know, you know, your character is like the, the girl who go, only goes out with her other girlfriends that are fatter than her. Uh, okay, sure. 
Sure. I'm going to get married. I'm going to get four of my fat friends, put them in bridesmaid dresses. That's Hell right. yeah. I'll pick That's an right. ugly color. You bet. <laughs> yeah, everyone looks at Paul's character and feels sorry for it so far. Well, I don't feel sorry for him. I'm, I'm happy as shit. I'm pissed <laughs> as punch, man. I'm like, yes. I mean, uh, I'm sorry that you, uh, you're you a pumpkin and shit. But um, <laughs> that's really terrible that you're a pumpkin and shit. Ghosts of Rainsboro is an ideology of madness production. To listen to more adventures in this setting, go to ideologyofmadness.com or rainsboro.com. Music provided by Knox Arcana. To listen to more, go to KnoxArcana.com. Rest well, and always, always stay in the light.